Thanks, everyone. Now, I don't know if anyone else has mentioned, but thank you for braving the cold and the fog to come out this morning. Wasn't it foggy? Yeah. Well, as Pastor Dave mentioned, my name's Donna, and I'm on the children's ministry team and also part of the ministry team here at Benigo Baptist Church. And it's an absolute pleasure to be with you this morning. So welcome to those of you who are online and welcome to those of you who are in the room. We, um, we're up to our second week in this series, Spiritual Rhythms That Feed Our Souls. And if you missed last week, I would highly recommend that you go back and watch it. Pastor Dave did a great job of setting us up with what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. He gave us a framework and an idea of what we'll be covering. He started by describing the grind of everyday life that we all experience, the weight of it, the, the heaviness of it. And it often leaves us exhausted and physically, mentally, emotionally drained. Sometimes we're just checked out or empty. We are actually spiritually hungry, but we, don't act, we often don't acknowledge that that's what is wrong with us. And we try and satisfy that hunger with all sorts of other things that can never really do what we want them to do. They offer the illusion or they seem to promise escapism, refreshment, but they don't. And Pastor Dave mentioned that he'd been on a holiday and came back not as refreshed as he might have liked. Whether it's Netflix or your phone and scrolling or just checking out and hiding in your room, whether it's shopping, whatever it might be that you think will give you what you need, it doesn't. And often you're worse than you were before. What we really, really need is Jesus. Pastor Dave reminded us that Jesus came and he gave us this incredible um, offer, John 10.10. Jesus came to give us life, abundant life, not just a so-so life, not a life where we're white-knuckling it all by the skin of our teeth, not a drained life, but an abundant, joy-filled life. He opened up Jesus' invitation to us in Matthew 11.28-30. to to 30 and he read it from a couple of different translations I'm, it's going to pop up on our screens in just a second I want us to read it together and have a look at it and then I'll talk through it a little bit and then we'll um we'll move on so if you have a device or a bible and you'd like to look at it yourselves please feel free otherwise read with me on the screen come to me all of you are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. It's a beautiful promise, isn't it? What an invitation. I just want to make a couple of observations. First of all, this is Jesus talking. The first few words are, then Jesus said, come to me. He didn't say, Come to the shopping centre. Come to the footy. Come to the block of chocolate. Come to the movies. He didn't. He said, come to me. Who? All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Now, I would propose that each one of us feels the weight and the grind of life at times. We're not all in the pits of despair at the moment. But the heaviness of weight is sometimes hard to bear. All of us. And I will give you rest. There's not a maybe or a might. I will. Jesus is saying, I will give you rest. But what do we need to do? Take my yoke upon you. 
Now that's a funny word. We don't live in, a, in an agrarian lifestyle anymore. Well, most of us don't. We don't see oxen harnessed together very often anymore. A wooden yoke, often carved specifically for the animals it was to fit, and it had a strong beam across the top and then grooves on either end. And it was so that two oxen could be harnessed together and share the load as they pulled. It's an instrument for work. It's a very strange word to use, isn't it? Jesus is talking about rest, and yet the, the imagery he's using is something that's used for work. They would often harness an older, wiser, experienced oxen to a younger, less experienced oxen, so that the younger oxen could learn what it looked like to work well by keeping in step and learning with the older one. The older one often bore the brunt of the weight and the load to be pulled. And the younger one, if it stumbled, couldn't actually fall down because it's harnessed in to this beam. There's leverage there. It had to keep in step for the whole process to work. What's really interesting is you can't be yoked to two different things at the same time. For us to take on Jesus' yoke, we actually have to take off every other thing that we carry. You can't be yoked as a slave to sin, other people's expectations or what they say of you. To be yoked to Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, an apprentice of Jesus, to be working alongside Jesus means we're yoked with him. We can't go our own way unless we take off the yoke. We have to be in step with him. The message version that Pastor Dave read out talks about the unforced rhythm of grace, that being in step. Why would we do this? He says, let me teach you. The older, wiser, the one who did life perfectly and lived a sinless, wonderful life, he wants to show us what an abundant life looks like. And he's inviting us to let him teach us. Why would we do this? Because he's humble and gentle at heart. What a wonderful teacher. He won't give us more than we can bear. He won't go too fast for us. He won't put too heavy a load on us. He will let us partner with him. And you will find rest for your souls. In the work. He's not saying life is not work or that there's not burdens to be carried. He's saying you will find rest when you do it with me. For my yoke is easy to bear. We take off the weight of everything else we carry to put on his and we find that it's light and it's easy. The burden he gives us is light. Isn't that an amazing invitation? How can you not say yes? That is so cool. I think it's good. This is what we want. This is what our hearts and our souls are craving. This is what will satisfy. This is what will bring an abundant life. But we've got to participate too. Last week, Pastor Dave started us off by talking about abiding. Spending time in the word, the word that's alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, the word that will bring truth to us, the word that we will find God in, that we will know God through. We can feed our souls. We're talking about rhythms, practices, habits, disciplines, things that we do over and over and over so that there's a sense of continual, continual, oh 
Continuality. Oh, that's not even a word. Something that happens so regularly. I'm sure you had a great drummer up here this morning. I wasn't here for your worship. Don't you notice when it's not a great drummer? If something's out of time, if you skip a beat, doesn't it just jar? It doesn't feel right. Living life in step with Jesus feels right. It's what he's inviting us to. Pastor Dave mentioned Psalm 1, and he used the imagery of a tree planted by streams of water, of its roots going down deep. That's us. When we're rooted in God's word, when we're abiding in his word, we can weather the storms and the drought. We will be secure. Pastor Dave also invited us to learn the Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, as we were meditating on the word last week. How did you go? Did anyone do it? Ooh, some yeses. I would encourage you, if you didn't, start it this week. It's really worth pondering. It's an amazing invitation. Have a think through the words. I, I really wanted last week. If you could um, think about what the words mean, what the history is, what the connotations are, study it, ponder it, let it sink in, feed on it. But this morning, as we move into the second week, we're going to be talking about silence and solitude, the practice of silence and solitude. What do I mean when I say that? Some of you have heard these words before. Some of them are, some of you, it will be completely new language. What do I mean by that? When I say silence and solitude, I'm describing an intentional withdrawing away from the busyness, the hurriedness of life. Withdrawing ourselves away from the distractions, away from the noise, away from other people, to intentionally come away to be with Jesus. When we do this regularly and create a rhythm of doing it regularly, it feeds our souls. There isn't anything mysterious in it. It's not just a practice for the super spiritual. It's for all of us. Jesus' invitation was for all of us, all of you who are weary. All it requires is the intention on our part to step aside from the grind of life and just to be with Jesus to be still and to enjoy his company. No words are needed, nothing's to be done, just to be. As I was thinking through how I might explain what this would look like, I had a picture of something that happened recently and I thought that's a good way of explaining it. Something had happened and I was doing the ugly cry. Now you know what I mean when I say this, you know the whole body shudder, the chest heaving, the heart rate going, the blood pressure's through the roof, sweaty, you know the <laughs> You know what I mean, don't you? You know the snotty nose and the, t you know, everything's happening. You know that feeling? I was doing that and my husband came and just put his arms around me and I put my head on his chest and slowly but surely the heaving stopped. My heart rate slowed down, the blood pressure dropped. There was an exchange that happened. As our heartbeats aligned, I was able to go. <sighs> Nothing in the external had changed. My response to it had. Somehow Scott's heartbeat and my heartbeat had aligned. Now, we don't need to be in despair to come away and spend time with Jesus. His invitation to us is for every moment of every day for our entire lives to be in relationship with him, to learn from him. He's offering for us to participate in this great exchange. 
in the stillness, in the quiet, we exchange our burdens for his peace. Our heartbeat aligns with God's. We get to see things the way he does. Our successes and our failures lose their grip on us. We're not our best day, we're not our worst day. We're not what others say about us. There's no titles here. It's just you and Jesus. You're loved for who you are. No need to perform, nothing to do, just to be. Our priorities shift. We begin to love what he loves, to hate what he hates. We're aligned with him. We become our real selves, whole and healthy. Now, just in case you're thinking, oh yeah, I'll do that. It doesn't happen all at once. This is why we want a rhythm of it, a lifetime of working and walking with Jesus. We want to be in step with him for every part of our lives. Creating space for silence and solitude allows the Holy Spirit to do the work in us that only he can do, bit by bit, moment by moment, day by day, year by year. The rhythm of stepping regularly aside from the busyness of ordinary life to be with the Father will refresh us, will comfort us. And it's something that Jesus did. Jesus did it and he invites us to do it too. The first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels. Gospel means good news. Now each of the authors describes times where Jesus did this, where he stepped out of the busyness of his life to be with the Father. Luke, in the book of Luke, mentions nine stories of where Jesus does this. These times are important, they're significant, and they're common. Some were short and some were really long. At the start of Jesus' ministry, just after he was baptised by John, he goes out, the Holy Spirit leads him out into the desert for 40 days to be alone with the Father. Now we think of this as the testing, but actually it was strengthening him so that he could be tested out of the being in silence and solitude for such a long time is what set him up for his whole ministry. Jesus alone with the Father was assured of his identity, guided to make decisions. He went up on a mountain to work out who was, he was going to invite to be disciples. He was refreshed after long days of ministry. Mark describes in chapter 1 this massive day of ministry and then you'd think all Jesus would want to do is climb into bed, but nope, off he scoots up a mountaintop to be alone with the Father. That's what he needed more than sleep. He withstood the people's agendas, the need to people please. He was comforted in grief. After John the Baptist was ex executed, that was his, off he went. At the end of Jesus' life, he again withdraws to be with the Father, to a quiet place to pray, to prepare for his crucifixion. If you have your Bible or a device with you, would you turn with me? We're going to be in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 39. If you don't, it will be up on the screen. I'm going to read it for you. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. I just want to point out a couple of things. I want you to notice that Luke says, Jesus went out as usual, but this time his disciples followed him. 
Now, we often think that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives because he was homeless. Yes, he didn't have a house of his own, but he had plenty of places to stay. They've just finished the um, Last Supper. He could have stayed in the house where they were to have the Last Supper. He could have gone to Mary, Martha and Lazarus' house. He had lots of places to stay. He went to an olive grove at night because it was deserted and he was alone. And I want you to notice too that Luke makes a point of saying, as usual, but this time his disciples followed him. It was so normal that Luke said, as usual. It was so normal that Judas knew where to find him. It was common for him to go out to be alone. But it's out of this relationship with the Father that he's able to pray, yet not my will, but your will be done. It's out of the silence and the solitude. In Psalm 46, the author comforts Israel. It's in three sections. The first section is, no matter what's happening in the world, in the earth, God's still God. Whether the mountains fall into the sea, God's still God. The second section is, doesn't matter what's happening in the political world, realm, God's still God. It doesn't matter whether the nations are in uproar, doesn't matter which king's up rising and which king's falling, doesn't matter, God's still God. And then we get to the third section and God pipes up. God steps in and responds. How cool is that? We get a God comment in this psalm and God says in response to universal world catastrophes or political, God says, be still and know that I am God. He goes on to say, I will be exalted in the earth and I will be exalted by the nations. But two instructions, be still and know that I am God. Now the Hebrew verb for be still is rafa. And I'm sorry to all those of you who speak Hebrew and I have mucked up the pronunciation. It means to surrender, to let go of, to stop striving. Be still. Leave everything to the care of God. It's in the stillness that we're able to know God is God. And knowing God is God is what allows us to surrender, to let go of that need to control, to let go of the worry, the weight, the pressure. This is the great exchange. In the stillness, we know God is God. In the stillness, we're free to surrender. It was in the silence that Jesus was able to ask, if there's any other way, and yet still pray, yet not my will be done. Just over 20 years ago, we had two healthy little boys, but I was not done. I wanted another baby. I was so desperate for another baby. Really, really, really convinced I was not done. But we were up to the miscarriage number five, and I was miserable. And as I, this is the first time that I actually really, really encountered for myself the power of silence and solitude. And I stitched. I sat in Psalm 27, and it's a great lament and protest psalm if you want to read it. It's this, God, this is sucky. And it really resonated. I read it as a teenager. There was a lot in it that really hit home for me. But this is the verse. Now, you can tell I was young because who in their right mind would do dark green on green? Really? had good eyes back then. This is what I stitched. Now, don't, compare, don't look at the workmanship. I'm not very skillful. And it was done through a lot of tears. I couldn't see a lot of what I was doing. But this is where I first discovered the power of being silent and alone with God. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. 
And that's pretty much all I could say. I did not have words. My heart didn't have words. But as I sat and I stitched and I cried, I was healed in that moment. I was able to say, not my will, but yours be done. If there's no other way, I will have it your way. Something in that space, I'm going to cry, sorry. (laughs) Something in that space was so powerful, the signs, the regular stepping aside, I was able to see what God saw. Now, I didn't want to lose a baby, but if I could go back, I would do it all again. To find a relationship with Jesus that is based on nothing other than me being me and him being him. It's awesome. And he says, come. Today, I want you to hear your hearts, to hear him say, come and talk with me. If I could pray anything for you today, I would pray that your heart would respond, Lord, I'm coming. There's nothing that will satisfy you like this. Sorry. (laughs) Jesus didn't come to give us more rules. As much as I might like to have a box to tick and something to cross off my to-do list because it feels so good, he didn't give us rules. He gives us an invitation to relationship. That's hard. Relationships are mysterious. But silence and solitude is not mysterious. It's open to everyone. The invitation is to all of us. It's not for the super spiritual. It's not for the pastors. All of us are invited to come and to be with him. If you carry the illusion that you can earn this favour or do something to reform, and you can't. Just be. So this morning I will not give you any shoulds. Not one. Not in my vocabulary. I only want to extend this invitation and give you some suggestions for how you might find time, what you might do with the time that you set aside. But I really, really encourage you, you cannot get this wrong. Just show up. So the first thing is, identify a time and a place. For a lot of us, this will be first thing in the morning. For some of us, that won't work. It might be after you've opened the Bible and read a passage. It might just be that before your eyes are open. Just decide. Have a go. If what you choose first doesn't work, try something else. The best way to know what will work for you is just to have a go at lots of things. And be kind to yourself. Set reasonable expectations. The location doesn't matter. If you've got a comfy couch if you've got your favourite chair, if it's a walk in the bush, it doesn't matter. The goal here is just to find somewhere where the distractions are as least as possible and you're alone. Get creative. Quite a long time ago, I worked out that when you open our bedroom, the door opens this way and the bed's there, if I didn't make the bed but got on the other side of the bed because it's quite a high antique bed, and I knelt down and put my head like this on the mattress and pulled the doona over me because the bed's not made. Anyone that opened the door couldn't see me. But, oh, no, Mum's not in there. And off they go. It was awesome. I had years of hiding under the doona before someone found me, and then it was like, oh, to find somewhere else. It's like hiding the chocolate under the broccoli. You've got to get creative. You'll find a spot. Is it in the walk-in robe with your back against the door? Whatever it takes, you'll find a spot. It might be that you drive somewhere and you go 10 minutes early and you sit in your car. Find a spot. 
Identify a time and a place. The second one is set a goal. Be kind to yourself. If spending time alone with Jesus and without any other external stimulation or noise or people is scary, start small. But if you don't plan and you don't set a goal, it's not likely to happen. This isn't going to happen by accident. We'll need to be intentional, so plan for it. If you've never done this before, start short. Five minutes, ten minutes. If you've been doing it for years and silence and solitude is something that does feed your soul, stretch it out a bit. Go for longer. There's no limit to this. If you decide you're going to do ten minutes but you don't want to get up when you've got the ten minutes are done, stay there. If you're doing an hour, if you're doing an afternoon, the most patient people I know are people that regularly spend time in silence and solitude. There's something powerful about zipping our lips and not talking. We often think that we need to say more. Sometimes we need to say less. The the next one is structure. What might your time with Jesus look like? Now, again, this is just a suggestion. For a lot of people, when they're starting out, the best way to do it is to set a timer so that you're not worried that you're going to um, finish too early or, or run over, if it's, especially if it's the morning. We don't want you to be late to work or getting the kids to school. So set a timer. If that's going to take one less thing out of your mind, one more distraction away, set a timer. Get comfortable. Find somewhere comfortable. The next thing is ask God very briefly to help you. Father, would you help me do this? That's all it takes. Close your eyes. A lot of us find that that just removes so many distractions. You can't see the dust with your eyes closed, people. Close your eyes. The next one is focus on your breathing. Now, this is not something weird. This is just a way of being present in the moment. So when you're focusing on your breathing, it's, it's a way of working out what's going on. We are physical beings. Have you got tense shoulders? Can you drop them? Is your jaw clenched? Can you let it go? For some of us, focusing on our breathing feels weird. There's one method called the box breathing method, and it's literally just creating a box with your breathing. In for the count of four, hold for the count of four, out for the count of four, hold for the count of four. In, you can breathe in through your nose, hold, through your mouth. And it's just a way of slowing your breathing down and being present. What's going on for you? Can you just be aware that you're a person in a body? Now, if you're really struggling with that still and you've you've got a word, it's called breath prayer. It's just saying a word as you breathe in and as you breathe out. And it might be Jesus, it might be Father, it might be peace, it could be a phrase. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. God, you are good. Whatever it looks like for you. And I'm, I'm using language that the secular world has hijacked, but centering, focusing, being present in the moment. And then when you're feeling like you're calm, now I want you to transition from just being aware of you to being aware of God with you. God is with you every moment of every day. He's with you. Are you aware of him? Are you aware of him with you, beside you? It might help for you to picture him beside you on the couch or opposite you on a chair. It might help for you to just realise that the Holy Spirit is in you. If you're struggling at this point because there's constant chatter in your mind, now you might find that, um, I think I did skip a point, release the constant chatter in your mind. 
a lot of us find the external noise much easier to reduce than what's going on up here. We have busy brains and they don't like to slow down. There's a, just as thoughts come, you might find that as you slow down, that the to-do list and your memories and what's coming up next and so on and so forth, they might come at you with a ferocity that's quite surprising. Just let each one go. Be kind to yourself. We all struggle with this. There is no real easy way to get it done. Just practice. Um, some people might picture putting their thought in a tinny boat and send it down the river. Put it behind the blind, behind the window and shut the blind. Whatever it takes to release the thoughts, just let them go as you move into an awareness of God with you. You might find as you're becoming more aware of God with you and you with God that other things come up. You might be aware of the Holy Spirit in a new way. You may experience his love, his joy, his peace like you never have before. You also might experience emotions that you weren't expecting. Just relax and enjoy whatever he wants to give you. He may be prompting you to give him something, a longing, a desire, a grief, a sin. You may not be aware of anything and that's okay. You don't have to do anything here. It's just being with Jesus. Now, when you're ready, if you haven't set a timer, whenever you feel ready, just close your time. Finish with a brief prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time. Whatever that looks like in your own words. And then move in through your rest of your day, just aware of God's goodness. Carry that peace, that the exchange of burdens, your heavy ones for his light ones. Carry that with you for the rest of your day. I just want to remind you, you cannot succeed or fail at this. There's no scorecard. All you can do is show up. But be patient. This is something we can learn and something we can get better at. These are not new ideas. They've been practiced in the faith community for thousands of years because there's something in relationship with Jesus in silence and solitude that changes us. They find their roots in the life of Jesus. Some of us will find them easy and some of us will find them hard and everything in between. Wherever you sit on that comfort spectrum, I really want to encourage you, have a go. Have a go this week. Some of you will be thinking, this is weird. Mm -mm, bit new agey. What's they talking about? I want to remind you that the secular world, mindfulness, meditation, have hijacked these practices because they work. But what they've done is they've kept the be still and the surrender They've taken out and know that I am God. I don't know what they think they're surrendering to, but how pointless. It's the and know that I am God that we get. That's what we sit with. It's not the idea is not to empty yourself. You're not. No, it's to be with Jesus. Some of us will have some barriers. We'll already be thinking, okay, barrier. One of them might be, uh, I don't know what God's going to say. I don't think I want to do that. One of them might be, I really already know what God's going to say and I don't want to hear that. Trust me, he won't give you anything you can't bear or that he won't help you bear. His burdens are light. His yoke is easy. He's kind and gentle and humble of heart. Some of you might be thinking, mm, I'm fine. I don't need this. You know, she talked about being in the pits of despair. I'm fine. This is, life's okay. 
Jesus came to give you abundant life, not just okay life. Joy, peace, shalom, wellness, wholeness. More of him. And if you're feeling like you just can't do it because you're never alone, I've got a role model for you. Some of you might have already heard of this lady. Susanna Wesley lived a few hundred years ago, mother of Charles and John Wesley, who started the Wesleyan um, church. This lady was born the youngest of 25 children. Hmm. Think she was ever alone? She went on to marry a minister and had 19 of her own children. Now, he was really bad with money and he ended up in prison a couple of times for being bankrupt. She was left a single parent to these children. Eight of them died. Grief galore, poverty. This woman started her own church services, educated her own children, taught them Latin. She was amazing. Do you know what she did? In her little tiny English kitchen, you think tiny, tiny, crammed with people, she'd sit in her rocking chair in the kitchen and throw her apron over her head. And that was the signal to anyone, don't come near me, I'm with Jesus. Look, if someone like that can manage some time with Jesus, we can too. We're not that strapped for space. We can manage this. We can work out a way. We can get creative. We just need to intentionally decide we're going to. I believe that Jesus will honour whatever we try, our attempts. He will meet us where we're at. Have a go. James 4 verse 7 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He will. There's no right or wrong way to do this. Just draw near. This week, 10 minutes, three times, five times, you can do this. Come on, decide today. Before you leave here, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a go. I'm praying that each of you will hear God's call. Come, come and talk with me. Come and give me your burdens. I will give you rest. And I pray that each one of your hearts will respond, Lord, I am coming. As we close, can I get the band back up? We're going to chuck that Matthew 11 back up on the wall. I'm going to pray through it. You're welcome to keep your eyes open. You are welcome to uh, close them, whatever it works for you. I'm going to pray this, and I would love you to pray with me. Let's ask Jesus. Jesus, you said, come to me. We're coming, Lord. We are the weary. We are the heavy burdened. We are those in need of your rest. Lord, help us to take off any other yoke that's not of you. Help us to put on your yoke. That's easy. Help us to learn those unforced rhythms of grace, of what life with you as your disciple, your apprentice looks like in step with you, partnering with you. Jesus, would you help us do that this week? Jesus, we invite you to teach us what life with you, what abundant life, what joyful life looks like. Help us create a plan. Help us find and set aside the time. And Father, please meet with us. You've said that you will. Jesus, help us to trust your humble and gentle heart. Father, if there's things in us 
that are not pleasing to you, would you bring them up? Anything that we've thought we've kept stuffed, Father, would you reveal it to us as we spend time with you? And Jesus, we want your rest for our souls. Jesus, we do want your yoke. We do want it, Lord. Oh, Father, we love you. We worship you. There is none like you. You are good and what you do is good. And you want good for us. And that happens to be relationship with your son, Jesus. Our hearts are crying out for it, Lord. Meet with us this week. And we pray all these things in your mighty and precious name. Amen.